0: unoffendable how just one change can make all of life better day five and lo the kingdom of god is like a terrible football team this is about how to forgive key verse psalm 16 says you will show me the way of life granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever We signed my son up for a flag football league when he was in sixth grade. My wife told me the league needed someone to coach my son's team, the Rams. And I told her point blank, I would not be doing it. The park district called me before the first practice and told me about the Rams and how they needed a coach. And would I do it? I told them, no, I'm sorry. I just can't do that. It's out of the question. I will not be coaching the Rams. At the first practice, all the teams went to different parts of the practice fields. They all had coaches. The Rams assembled, and everyone's parents had dropped them off, and I towered over all the kids. They asked me if I was their coach. I told them no. I'm sorry. I will play catch right now, but I will not be coaching the Rams. The smallest kid, a little scraggly blonde kid named Jared, threw the ball back and forth with me. He asked me again if I would coach. I told him again, no. They'd have to find someone else to coach the Rams. He caught the ball, stopped, and looked at me, and he said, okay, but for today, can I please call you coach? When I got home, I had to tell my wife why I was carrying a big bag of footballs, pylons, and flags. I was now coaching the Rams. I was clueless over the first eight games. We not only didn't win, we didn't score any points. We were shut out every game. We'd all look over during our practices and see the yellow shirt team over there. They had six football dads, coaching positions, fancy drills, and football-y things I didn't know about. They were amazing. A well-oiled machine. And we played that team, the yellow shirt team over there. The very last game of the season, we were 0-11. They were 11-0. and 0. Sounds like we had no chance, right? They laughed at us before the game. Something incredible happened, though. Our best player, a little guy named Christian, returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown. We were ahead 6-0. So the team that supposedly didn't have a chance, the one that was mocked, derided, considered the worst coach team in the league, now led the game over the mighty yellow team, There were gasps from the crowd. Then the yellow team scored 77 unanswered points, and we lost 77 to 6. As our dejected, winless kids left the field, the kids who went 0-12 and and just got humiliated again, something wonderful happened, something you usually don't see in football. A white stretch limousine pulled up along the field, a limo with flags, Rams flags. Everyone stopped and stared. The Rams, the playoff-bound yellow team, Everybody stared, and a mom said, guys, it's time for your end-of-season party. The Rams went from dejected losers to royalty. The yellow team, coaches and all, were in awe. This is how the kingdom of God works. The last or first, the first or last, and in the end, as much as we want to think our performance is all that matters, the victory has exactly nothing to do with us. We're human, so we're going to be occasionally feeling threatened. It happens. Anger happens too. So do jealousy and bitterness and resentment. But if you want to be a citizen of this other kingdom, the one in which God promises things will be set right in the end, you may as well remind yourself of it all the time. Choosing to be unoffendable means choosing to be humble. Not only that, the practice teaches humility. Once you've decided you can't control other people, once you've reconciled yourself to the fact that the world and its people are broken, once you've realized your own moral failures before God, once you've abandoned the idea that your significance comes from anything other than God, you're growing in humility, and that's exactly where God wants me and wants you too. It's contrary to seemingly everything in our culture, but the more we divest ourselves of ourselves, the better our lives get. Jesus told us as much. He said if we give up our lives for his sake, we'll find real life. When we surrender our perceived rights, when we let go of our attempts to manipulate we find, surprise, joy. I've seen it happen in my own life in little bits. I'm still learning, but I'm so glad someone told me to choose to be unoffendable because something clicked in my understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. It turns out that life is not only more joy-filled for me, but it's more attractive to others. I have to die to myself. What I'm finding is it doesn't happen all at once, and it's simultaneously simple to understand and arduous to actually do, but little by little, I think I'm seeing what God is up to and he's changing me. He wants to be in control, and you know what? I want him to be. This hasn't always been the case. I do think I can trust him. I don't need to control things anymore. There's so much less at stake when I let go, so much less of me to defend, so much less of my way to get in the way and feed my anger. What a relief. God tells us to die to ourselves and get rid of anger for a reason. He loves us. And I guess I always knew that, that he loves us, but now, I'm prone to anger less, and I'm more prone to forgive because I'm finally really believing a bit more day by day that he actually loves me. God is my defender. He's in control. I don't know where I'm going, but I know he loves me. Respond, have you experienced the joy of giving your life to Jesus in this way? And if so, describe your experience and the difference it's made in your daily life. Thank you for listening to this series. If you're interested in getting the whole audio book for Unoffendable, I do read that and really enjoy doing that. If you wanna check it out, it's the usual places where you can get books. You know where those are. Thank you again for listening.